Not a time to turn. He's played in Kai Havertz, who is around Anderson, and Havertz scores for Chelsea. It's a royal blue moment. episode of the Miles Offside podcast where we talk a little bit of blue is the color and a whole lot of football is the game. My name is We're All Together, also known as Winning is Our Aim, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, cheer us on through the sun and rain, Chuck Bailey, and Chelsea, Chelsea is our name, Ian Snipson. <laughs> we are the champions, my friends. Been up to much of the weekend, mate? Nah, nothing crazy, yeah. nothing crazy, just winning the fucking Champions League! <laughs> oh, <laughs> you hadn't mentioned it in your 10,000 messages, tweets, calls. Yeah, that, that, that was a thing that happened, wouldn't it? Sure yeah, was, it sure fucking was. That's why, that's why it looks like a... Uh, a Chelsea club shop has vomited all over you today and there's <laughs> yeah, Chelsea Lord, shirts strewn everywhere behind yeah, yep, you. I'm rocking and the just... Mason Mount. It was a, a belated birthday present. This is the jersey he would have been wearing when he made the assist that won the Champions League for the Chelsea boys in blue. Oh, we have since spent like several hundred dollars on the club shop since uh, since the final whistle has been kicked because they put up all the like, you know, 2021 Champions League of Europe type stuff. So we got two hoodies. We got a scarf that'll go very nicely on the wall next to the 2012 scarf. What, what colour is that? Is that blue, is it? It sure is. It is. Blue? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah. weird if they did a red one. It would be, but, you know, he's colourblind. You never know. It's true. True. Uh, what else did we get? I got a Kai Havertz jersey, obviously, to, uh, to commemorate the goal, the big goal. Oh, man. What a weekend. I mean, we're just going to, like, buckle up, listeners. We're going to talk about the Champions League for the next four hours, and then we have a few... Skip ahead Skip ahead to 31.15 for when Oscar takes a breather yeah. without talking about Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you'll need to, sk- to skip to one hour, nine, and 14 seconds. We'll do about a minute of FPL, and then we'll see you next year. Yeah, that sounds Pretty about much, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I have been doing my David Blaine breathing training, so I can go for up to 17 minutes talking oh, without God. having to take a breath. Yeah, all right. Show off. You know what, mate? I'm not even going to stand in your way on this one. No, you... that would be churlish. Yeah, it would. I've been known, but... Um, <laughs> Just you know, a bit. <laughs> it's been a glorious weekend for many reasons. The sun is finally showing itself over our fair shores. <sighs> you know, Chelsea won the Champions League. It's just, you know, the England squad got announced. Like, it's just such good vibes party time. So, Oscar, you know, how, how do you want to do it? What, what, yeah. what, what how do? do, we do this? Oh, there's, there's so much to do. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I'm in such a good mood that I hope England wins the Euros so that you guys can get just a little taste of this. Just yeah. everybody deserves some happiness. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> 
It would be nice to get a little taste of, of victory. It would yeah, be nice. I mean, the Germans just won the Champions League, so, you know, it's okay if they don't do well at the Euros. I, I'd rather they get out, knocked out early and Timo can get a little break on his legs, something like that. Uh, I mean, let's just get to it, honestly. Like, this is going to be, literally, it's going to be Champions League final and then end of season awards slash FPL stuff, so it'll be a nice episode. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We love you. We're happy to have you for the very final episode of season three. Good time to hop aboard. Um, if you are back, even better. We love you even more. Give us a review, five stars, tell a friend. Patreon.com slash milesoffside and or patreon.com slash milesoffsidepod. You bastard. <laughs> uh, and we're just going to jump right into it. We're just going to... Let's go with um, Ian. Why don't you give me yeah, your... Yeah, uh... Chelsea fucking Burnley did, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Burnley of the week. Fucking yeah, we'll hell. get to that. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but Ian, why don't you give me your like sort of broad takeaway from the final itself, just, just to kind of start us off here. In very broad strokes, I was obviously delighted for you that Chelsea won, but I was doubly delighted for you that they absolutely deserved to win the game. There was no question about it. Mm. Chelsea deserved to win that game. And it would have been shitty if, you know, you'd have had your knockers who would have said, oh, well, you fucking nicked a 90th minute goal or, you know, Man City, were, it was all pressure man for Man City. But it wasn't like that. It They didn't get the early goal they obviously hoped for. And after uh, De Bruyne's... Uh, as Chuck said as, <laughs> on the WhatsApp group, after De, after De Bruyne's face exploded, uh, we had, then they, they were done as an attacking force, it felt like. So I, I'm very happy that you didn't nick it. You you absolutely deserve to win that game. So Yeah, fun fact along the deserve to win the game, this was actually City's lowest XG in the entire season we held them to their I mean, lowest that's... fucking xg for the entire wow. season we kept them to 0. 0.4 to 2.1 to chelsea so a fucking Oof. smackdown honestly the 1-0 scoreline understated it for chelsea a bit um well and truly deserved that not that that would have stopped me for the record because like i'm aware May of 19 that. 2012 yeah. is an all-time <laughs> historic burn leeing and i still fucking yes. love that day so much <laughs> Absolutely, and that's to be fair. There's there's nothing wrong with that at all. The history books don't necessarily show that you know results were nicked or whatever. But I was just very in the moment. I was just very happy that no one could even try and take that away from Oscar. That you know it was thoroughly deserved. absolutely, absolutely. Um, Chuck, how about you? What are your sort of big takeaways? Your general reactions, without any like specific stuff to go into yet. Nah, I didn't watch it, mate. Not interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I can't really say anything apart from Ian. I think it was, I don't think it was an incredible barnstormer of a game still, but I don't think it was as bad as we expected it to be. No, um, no, at all. Bad. Even though the scoreline, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a one nil, but it's, it was Chelsea again doing what they needed to do. They exploited, uh, you know, obviously they generated the, the the extra XG, whichever model you look at, is kind of between about 1.5 and 2.1, like Oscar said. So it's, you know, it's a fairly well-deserved, almost at a two-goal advantage. But, you know, you look at you look at Havertz's goal and the, and the way he took it, it was just a moment, capitalised on a, on bad defence and over-attacking, which played into Chelsea's hands. Um, and, and really coolly, you know, under a lot of pressure from the keeper, taps it round and, and away you go. And then from there... 
it really was one of those ones where you just looked at it and you didn't think City were really going to do it. And it, Oscar, you won't have believed that at all until literally the final whistle happened because I know how that how it works when you're a fan in that situation. <laughs> that like until even when the referee has blown the whistle, you're not sure. You wait for them to zoom in the camera. You wait and you're like, what the fuck. Um, but yeah, I just think you know people were a bit worried that Pep had pepped it. I was very surprised that he went with like Kyle Walker and fucking Zinchenko yeah. playing, not yeah. playing like Joao Cancelo. But then I also don't think he got super weird with it enough for it to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's a that's a good place to start. Then let's start with the lineups and start with specifically uh, City's lineup because that was the big storyline. Um, at least according to if you listen to most other non-Chelsea podcasts, everyone's just talking about Pep <laughs> and no one's talking about Chelsea. So fuck you guys. We're going to do that. But we'll start off. So let me take you through the day. I went to I was at my brother's house and uh, God bless him. He got all of his sons and himself and his wife shiny new Chelsea jersey. So I roll up on Saturday morning and everybody's tricked out like. Fucking full kit wanking, basically. Like, the house was full kit wanking. Do they give you a guard of honor as you walk through? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Um, We had, like, breakfast. I would, You know, Emily and I were just sitting in the corner, like, shaking like a chihuahua. Just terrified, (laughs) terrified. And then the lineups came out. And the big talking point was City's lack of, uh, like, a recognized defensive mid. So no Rodri, no Mm. Fernandinho. I believe it was the second time all season that neither of them was in the lineup. They've always had... At least one. Mm. They started off with kind of two towards the beginning of the year. Um, And then also for the Chelsea side of it, I was a little surprised to see Havertz starting over Pulisic, just kind of given the run of form that the two players have been in over the last month or so. Um, Mm. And my brother said, oh, why are you, why are those um, lineups such a big thing? Like, why are you freaking out about these lineups, right? It was really nice actually having not soccer people to bounce off of and like be like, oh, I can actually like get my thoughts So everyone just accepts your opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's delightful. It's great. Um, Unquestionably. And I said that I was nervous about the lineups because it seemed like City were going to be set up to draw Chelsea out. The lack of a central midfield kind of being indicative of like, okay, we'll keep the ball further back near our center backs, back towards Ederson, draw them out so that there's space behind Chelsea, play those long balls over the top that Raheem Sterling, who was also a bit of a surprise on the lineup, Mm. can run into. And we saw that play out a couple of times in the first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes were terrifying and significantly in City's favor. Like we saw, uh, I think the scariest chance was just straight from Ederson way over the top onto Sterling, who had snuck around behind Reese James yet. Reese James at that point, because he hadn't quite switched on to what was going on yet. Um, and and it started to play out the way I was really scared it would. Um, but then it seemed like Reese James, who fucking absolute hero that kid, um kind of wised up to what was happening and he just put Sterling in his pocket for the rest of the match like absolutely nothing there um and my concern was that we weren't going to have any as much pace I should say to get in behind without Pulisic there um because Havertz is you know significantly slower than him if you have Pulisic and Werner both that's just like turn on the jets um but we managed a way to sort of Tuchel our way, tactics our way to getting that space in behind them that we needed. And and you saw that happen a bunch of times, largely because N'Golo Kante is, I think, not a human. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you what do you guys make of the, the Pep lineup specifically? The lack of Fernandinho or Rodri, Sterling being included. How much do you attribute their struggles to that? I don't know. I don't want to 
go on about it a lot because I feel I think like you said it's too much of I think the story here was that because it's City's first time in the final with Pep and I think that's kind of why it outshines uh, Chelsea in in that way with people talking about it and you know they they've tried so hard for so long and, and he finally gets there and then they they fuck it really they they completely fucked it and and Chelsea fully deserved I think it's it's more interesting for me that you know I look at the Chelsea lineup and I go um, yep you know you said about Havertz and Pulisic I as an outsider I'd say it's much of a muchness between the two like it's it's kind of a okay fair enough um, f- for myself and the way they've been playing recently right. Um, but you look at that Chelsea team, and I, I just think, yep, that's the best Chelsea team. That's that's good. That's a Champions League final team. Whereas I look at City's team, and of course they have a massive squad, and comparatively their B team, whatever, is way better. But I just look at it, and I just think that is not the best team. Like it's not just their best eleven. Yeah, absolutely. It's just not. And and it's like, yeah. and when you've got direct people like Sterling hasn't been in great form. Zinchenko, I've I've never been a huge fan of him, especially defensively. But when you know, you look at what Chelsea can do on the break. Werner, for all his cursed childness, is very quick. Havertz is showing, you know, he's a very good nine, basically, and, and very intelligent and can also still put in a shift. Reese James, Chilwell, bombing down the wings, you know, those kind of things. That's terrifying. And then, you know, De Bruyne hasn't been back for long and obviously he gets body checked out of the game, so farewell. And yeah. Walker hasn't been up to much for a lot of the season as well. Like, it's mad not having, like, Joao Cancelo. Ferran Torres has been doing great for them recently. Fuck it. Just start with a striker. Get some solidity yeah. into the game and see what happens. You know, Rodri having a defensive midfielder in there and, and not having it enforced that, like, okay, we lost De Bruyne. So now we've lost our most creative player. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring on Fernandinho. Right, right, yeah. right. And it, it, I think everything, I, I don't want it to be the story there because fuck it. It's done now anyway. But I just think that that was what is weird for me. And that's why I think people... I don't think it's the peppest pep lineup in whatever. And he wasn't playing John Stones at centre forward. But you just look <laughs> at the Chelsea team. And, but literally, I just look at the Chelsea team. I've got I've got the position of formations and everything in front of me now. And I'm just like, that's just the best team. Like, pick the best team, play it. like, And, and, and so that's what's maddening to me. And that's why I think people are underrating Tuchel. Because for the whole season, and it's you're looking at it as he's never done stuff to be all well impressive or this is going to be incredible. He's like, okay, I'm getting to know these players still. I've been here six fucking months, not even thirty four games. And a half months. This was his thirtieth game. That's a lot of games though in that time. To be fair, but in that time, yeah, but I know in what that you're time, saying, in, yeah, in it's, since it's, January, yeah, and, and so it's just like, right, let's just keep the ball and. Play, keep it compact and win. And you're just like, you've got to respect that. Absolutely respect that. Yeah, and Tuchel, Kaylee put up this post um, on his uh, XG account, Kaylee Graphics. And we'll kind of come back to the pep thing because I did have one thing to add there. But Tuchel, like, this was not a fluke. Like, not only was this final not a fluke, if you look at their knockout performances, uh, against Man City in the final, 0.4 to 2.1. Mm. Over two legs against Real Madrid, 0.9 to 5.3 on XG. That's a fucking smacking. Two, the 0.9 over two legs against Real Madrid conceded. Yeah. Porto kind of got us. That's the weird one. Porto 2.0, Chelsea 2.9 <laughs> over two legs. And then against Atletico Madrid, 1.1 to 3.0 over two legs. 
So there was one and only one match in the entire Champions League knockouts that we conceded more than 0.6 xG. And we also ended up with the best defensive record, including Lampard's matches, for the record. We only conceded four goals in the entire Champions League run. That's the least that anyone has ever conceded. And that's with some games being that's with Kepa mad. in there too, man. Like, you know, you throw in the Kepa disadvantage, <laughs> the Lampard defense disadvantage, and we still fucking smashed this Champions League. And I do think that in terms of Tuchel and Tuchel's like legacy, because he's probably not going to get more than next season, if we're honest. That's just how Chelsea works. Like, and I'm kind of okay <laughs> yeah, with that. Law of averages. Yeah. Pay the man twice as much as he would have had for next year. Fine. Extend his contract by a year, quote unquote. But really, you're just paying him more. Fine, he deserves it, but like we know he's not going to be around. That's just how it goes. But his legacy, I think, is like the squad building challenge that he had in front of him coming in. Remember at last summer with all of the signings, we were all sitting here like, how the fuck does he get all these players on the pitch? Who is he playing where? So many of these guys are versatile. There's a lot of options, but it's not at all clear where to build a squad or a team out of this. And my dude came in and was basically like, Hakim Ziyech, sorry, you're sub. You're like amazing, but you don't quite fit with what the rest of the stuff we're going to try to do here. And he like immediately recognized who the players were that needed to be where. He moved Kai to a false nine type of position. He alternated Timo between wide and center. He knew where to play, like playing Reese James at center back the last few matches just to like cover speed. Who in the fucking world thought that someone was going to come in and put Reese James at center back and that it would work? You know what I mean? Like he he came in and he had a vision basically from right away. I don't think this is going to be the same way we play next year, but like the challenge of making a team out of all these raw pieces, not only be good, but like be fucking amazing is like so crazy. So like super duper duper shout out to Tuchel right now. In fact, would you rather, and I said this in the, uh, Slack, the Patreon Slack, and I'm pretty sure it was an insane thing to say, but I've thought about it more, and I decided that it's not that insane of a thing to say. If you were building a super team next year, would you rather have Pep or Tuchel as the manager of said super team? And I'll throw to Ian first. <laughs> I I don't think it's obvious. I, I don't think it's a ridiculous question, but I. I don't know. I I feel because I'm you know I don't watch as much uh, European football as, as maybe Chuck does. So I don't know. I didn't know as much about Tuchel uh, when he came into the Premier League, bar the sort of few uh, athletic um, articles that had been written about him and uh, what Oscar had said about his training techniques and stuff. Um, it is possible that we're seeing a shift because things often go in these sorts of, certainly managerially in these like 10 year cycles, you know, when Wenger came into British football, he was revolutionizing it 10 years later, not so much people had caught up. Um, Jose, you could argue he probably had 10 good years, you know, are we starting to see the decline pep? Because people did wonder, I mean, I'm sorry to go back to the lineup again, but people did wonder even before the game, is Pep going to do something weird with the lineup? He sometimes does this in big games. He'll do something a bit odd. And he did do something a bit odd. And then he didn't adapt to it not working. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's specifically, he didn't adapt to it not working. When it, it he, he, I think it was designed for to score within 15 minutes. And like you said, you were worried the first 10 or so. And it didn't happen. And then he didn't do anything about it. Why wait so long to bring Aguero on? So, sorry, to, I went off on a tangent there, but it's it's 
because it's not ridiculous to say that Pep could be on the downward track now and someone like Tuchel could become, you know, the next super manager. So I don't think it is a ridiculous question. I think based on momentum alone, let's say Tuchel, I would I would have Tuchel because I do think he can come in and uh, the, the, the speed at which, as you say, the speed at which he did things, he got... He he went with certainly defensively. He went with experience immediately. Alonso, mm-hmm. Aspilicueta, and stuff like that. I know Alonso's not really a defender, but you know what I yeah. mean. And he he, you know, he went with that straight away. And was I? Like, I'll I'll bring the others in as and when. And Chilwell got his chances without a Absolutely. doubt, you know, and obviously obviously played in the Champions League final. So he, he's clearly. Man management straight away was good. Let's see how it goes in a few years or rather yeah, a yeah, year yeah. down the line, as, as Chuck said a lot. But um, I, yeah, I wouldn't be, I would, I think it's ridiculous to say Tuchel right now. There is an amazing article on The Athletic, by the way, that where they interviewed like basically all of the players and ran through like from the beginning of like Tuchel's first day to the Champions League final. Amazing quotes, oh, okay. amazing stories from the players, really cool info. Um, they talked about specifically like how did he handle the young players who were the most worried when Frank left because he was kind of the one that brought yes. them through. Um, the only game that Reese James didn't start for Tuchel was the first one. He's played in 29 out of the 30 games. And so like oh, wow. he really okay. did just come in and take the veterans, but he took those young players aside and was like, listen, I'm going to give you yes. your chance. I just need to see what people have. But like, don't think that you're not in my plans. Just show up, train hard, and you'll get your chance. And then that's exactly how it played out. I think in, in Pep's defense, though, he three matches in the last six weeks against Chelsea, he lost all three, and all three were different lineups. Like, he, I can see why he was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do here. I'm just going to try stuff. Um, so I don't necessarily even hold, like, the starting lineup against him, but you're right. Like, he needed to make a change at halftime. I was very surprised to see the same team come out. Like, we were, yeah. we spent the whole halftime being like, shit, what's he going to do? What's he going to change? How can we counteract that? All that sort of stuff. So I do still think that Pep is the big, better manager overall, but it is an interesting question for next year. Chuck, same question to you. Who would you have next year? I'd just like a manager, to be honest. <laughs> That'd be nice, all yeah, these names flying about. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's been a while. Can't we just have a manager? Um, I was kind of undecided on it, but I think Ian's convinced me that I'd probably, I don't know, I'd quite like a... A Tuchel, I think it's just the, the the pragmatism of it, and potentially, you know, I think there's a lot of truck with what you, what you said, mate. That it's uh, it's potentially it's a, a changing of of structure, and it's it's natural in football that you know you look at how much Pep came in and has influenced the game. Like there are so many teams playing out from the back or playing with three at the back yeah, that's that true. would yeah. never dream of it. Like, literally every team is doing and, uh, it now. Team, teams that shouldn't. Well. <laughs> teams that shouldn't, right, fair enough. But uh, but teams also trying with it and sticking with it as well. And, like, yeah. even if there are mistakes, God bless you, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> you know, so, like, the influence is undoubtable. And obviously, you know, for, for but so that means, that, you know, if we're looking at the question of building a super team, well, I think, Chelsea were kind of trying to do that anyway. You know, they had a lot of exciting talent. They bought a fuckload of people. That's true. He's come in to an extent and done it. So I think in that situation where everyone was looking at it going, what the fuck do you do? Maybe a guy who's, you know, managed absolute superstars before, albeit at PSG, where, you know, you win everything apart from the league this year after he's gone. Influencer, you know, clearly not everyone can do it. Um, so that's a tick in the Tuchel box. 
Yeah, I, I think it's good, but it's but there's also the sample size. So I'm, I said to you before, I'm very interested to see, you know, without diverting too much from the actual match, I'm very interested to see what happens at Chelsea over the summer, who you bring in, who you lose, what Chelsea FC looks like in game week one next year, and and it's in that kind of way, I'm quite excited and intrigued. Not even as a Chelsea fan. Which is which is quite good, and I don't know whether that's just by osmosis from Oscar. Mm. Probably, um, probably. Um, but no, I think it's good. But so, do you want do you want to talk about the goal, mate? Because did did anything else happen in the first half? There was nothing really. I mean, it, it was one of those where like City didn't get a lot of chances, but they were always one pass away from a chance, and I think that was by design. For the record, I think Chelsea were like, "We're gonna concede." You can have the ball. If you look at City's pass map, it's just everyone near between the D and the center circle. Like, that's just where the ball was. And we were like, you can have it there. That's fine. But the moment you try to have that last pass or that cross or get a shot off anywhere near the penalty area, boom, shut it down. And so they were knocking on the door, sort of. They were mm-hmm. they were knocking on the wall right next to the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the like, corridor <laughs> leading to the yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. They but were, they never they got were trying there. to work out if it was drywall or if it was... Con- <laughs> is this a supporting wall? Yeah. Supporting wall, can I... <laughs> Can I convert it all into one room? What can we... Hmm, not sure. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't a point four that was boring and had no sort of invention or attempt to it. It was a point four because yeah. like that was the most they could generate, but they were trying. Like They were really trying. Um, I figured we could go through as a way to sort of organize my thoughts and it won't turn into a seven-hour conversation. Um, just basically player by player, because Fuck City will go through the Chelsea player, 30 seconds, and then we'll be done. So I'll start off with Mendy, because we'll get to Havertz, obviously, when we talk about the goal. Uh, Mendy, any thoughts on Mendy? He was amazing, but he didn't have much to do, but he's been, like, key to our season, absolute fucking superstar. Yeah, quietly doing what he had yep. to do, exactly exactly what he said, yeah. Awesome, okay. Uh, Captain Azpilicueta, uh, I'll jump in with my take on him real quick. Uh, fucking played amazing. A couple of very, very important clearances, including one right over the bar that, like, could have very easily mm. ended up as an own goal situation. Yeah, um, but yeah. for me, the happier thing was just him cementing his legacy, I think, as like an all-time Chelsea GOAT. He's won everything with us. He came in the year yeah. after the Champions League, so yeah, he didn't have that Yeah, I was going to say one. that was the nice thing. Yeah, he, yeah, that summer we bought Willian, Hazard, and Azpi, and I think Oscar also. And like that was sort of the start of, a new, of an entire generation. Most of those guys, all of those guys except Azpi are gone. So it was nice to have him sort of finish off. I've, been, I've done nothing over the last two days but look at goofy pictures of as he holding the trophy over his head, yeah, smiling yeah, yeah. like a madman. So it was really nice in like the big picture for him to cement his legacy up there with like Terry Drogba Lampard. Um, any thoughts on Aspi for you guys? How many years do you think he's got left in him is the only thing I would say. But I, I think you're right. Legacy One. cemented, job done. But uh, is, is, he's coming towards the end now. Yeah, I mean, I think he can stick say. around and play like a sort of supporting role club captain yeah. like emotional leader still here yeah. um but i would be surprised if he's still starting certainly by the end of next season but maybe even at the beginning of next season um and honestly if it was me i'd give the armband to mount for next year and like and have start a new era to start thing. that now So he's he's in the last year of his contract now oh is yeah. he he'll get a year probably if he wants it but i could also see him being like okay this is a perfect time to walk away i'm gonna go back to spain and and then kind of cap it off there because he he won the league, FA Cup, yeah. Europa League, Champions League, League Cup. Like he's won everything you can win. 
Yeah, there has just been one or two times this season where he's been slightly off the pace. That's all. And I, I, for me to notice, I was like, oh, okay. Like if, if I'm noticing, then I was like, maybe. It's yeah, I do think it's time to start then. phasing him out. And yeah. like, what a better send off than this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of old slow defenders, Thiago Silva, who just heartbreakingly came off with an injury at about the half hour mark. Yeah. Um, but it was hilarious seeing him in the in the Chelsea unseen is like a series that they do on the YouTube channel. Of just like behind the scenes and sideline footage, he was barking orders at all of the defenders. Oh, was he? The int- <laughs> he like wasn't sitting on the side, sad and dejected. He was like, "Aspi, move forward!" <laughs> like he was screaming at them more than Tuchel was. I was like, "There he is. There's that organizer. He can't get off the job." Nice. You know, kind of sad to see. But any thoughts on Silva? Do you think he'll still be playing for us next year? Is this like a nice swan song for him at his age? Yeah, I think he should probably retire now. I get why he's there, but, you know, he's had, what, like three injury spells already. He's mm. going to be on a hefty chunk of change. If you think he's instilled enough in the young centre-backs, younger centre-backs or whatever already, then you've kind of got the, the value out of him you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I could see them giving him a, a one year, depending on the severity of his injury, because it was a muscle thing. So, like, who even knows what's going to happen with that? Um, but yeah, he came in, he's a mercenary. We knew that. Like, there's no shame in that. I don't say that pejoratively. Mm. Like, he came in, he was here for a year, he helped the young guys, he won a trophy. So yeah, job done. Let's talk about then his replacement, Christensen, Andreas Christensen, coming on another Chelsea Academy boy. A lot of people forget that. Coming on as a substitute unexpectedly in the 30th minute of a Champions League final. And then playing his fucking mind out. Absolute hero. A couple of very key, key interceptions and clearances in the box. Let's keep working our way through the center backs then. Last one uh, is Rudiger, Antonio Rudiger, who just (laughs) absolute like change of fortune. He was out of the team with Frank, one of our most important defenders, a leader for the squad, just absolute fucking stellar hero. So nice to see him celebrating. So nice to see him happy and stuff. Uh, I'm assuming that you guys are going to want to mention the KDB thing, so go ahead, Chuck. Fucking take it away granite there. shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> even, even regardless of this, like he kind of knew what he was doing, yeah. And so it is what it is, and it's like one of those things where, like, the professional foul and stuff we've talked about it before. Like when it's clear what is going on, there should be a an element of being able to book people, or like you know, like the last man foul when you just hack at someone or whatever. But anyway, it it is what it is, and. Poor Kevin De Bruyne broke his cheekbone and his nose, I believe, or his yeah. jaw. So, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Euros. The yellow card, the ref went full celebrity ref. That was, oh, great. That was so <laughs> good. Take my hand. I'm going to help you up. Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> so was it a red? Ian, do you think that was should have been a red card for Rudiger there? I, I think a red would have been... Would have been a bit much, I think. He was using his physicality, but I'm not... I, I don't know. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a red. Doesn't mean it wasn't one, I'm not sure. Anyway, Rudiger could lend him his mask for the Euros. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> um, for me, it's clearly obstruction, clearly yellow. I didn't. It didn't look malicious, at least I'm obviously biased, but... You know, he meant to block him. I don't think he meant to break his fucking face. Yeah, that's what I meant by using his physicality. It didn't feel yeah. like, uh, yeah, didn't feel like if, he meant to And if to De Bruyne hurt hadn't broken his face, if it was just a regular block him off, De Bruyne falls down, and then we get a free kick 30 seconds later, later I don't think anybody's talking about a red card. Yeah. Um, it just yeah. happened to be one of those, but I don't yeah. know. That's my I, end. Agreed. Uh, Reese James, absolute fucking hero. Trent Alexander Arnold could never. <laughs> oh. What a fucking stud. He ha- he kept Sterling quiet. He put in some good free kicks, some good crosses. This kid at 21 years old 
would have been, in my opinion, man of the match. I know that they gave it to Conte. I don't necessarily have problems with Conte because he was like fucking amazing. There were about seven people to choose from. But for me, at his age and with the job that he was asked to do, and we talk about adjusting on the fly, he saw after the first five minutes like, oh, shit. Okay, I need to stay back a little bit more. Yeah. I need to play a little tighter to these runners and just just shut it down. Nothing, nothing was coming up his side of the pitch. Everything ended up switching to Mahrez. Um, so for me, probably one of the best right-back performances I've seen in recent memory. Um, to sort of give a slight twist to this, does, does he start for England for you guys at the Euros? Whew, well, that's... Oh, hang, yeah. hang on. No, one second, because it's coming home. Um, <laughs> should he start for England? Um, so I think... Here's my, here's my thoughts on it. If England are going to play with two centre-backs, then I would rather Reese James than Trent Alexander-Arnold. If England are going to play with three centre-backs, I'm okay with having Trent as the right-back over Reese James. And potentially, if Reese James can fit into a centre-back or something like that. But just because I think that's what the, the dead ball deliveries, I know Reese James is great, but like Alexander Arnold, if he's allowed to have the same role as he does with mm-hmm. Liverpool, yeah. we've all seen what he can do. That doesn't mean for one second that I, I think Reese James is inferior. I just think they're two completely different players. So I would feel comfortable if England are in a back four, having Reese James over Alexander Arnold, and in a back five, I'd have either, but that would suit. Alexander Arnold, I think. Right, fair enough. I mean, he is a he has a better ball delivery. Like Reese James is amazing with the ball delivery, but no one's better than Trent Alexander Arnold right now. So like, yeah, and part of the reason, reason, part of the reason for there's four right backs in there, and and Reese potentially being the well, not the fourth. That sounds like he's the fourth choice. He's not, but he's the, he can play right centre back as well. We're only taking three three sort of recognised centre backs. The re, the re, mm. you know, there's a lot of flexibility in, in this England squad announcement that's come out that I think there's never just not Kyle Walker not, not, <laughs> not Kyle Walker but there's so much flexibility in this in this squad that he's got that I don't think an England team's ever had before so yeah I think it's very possible that Reese and Trent get minutes depending on the setup that they play you know careful Ian careful yeah. Ian although I, I would not at all get Euro fever <laughs> <laughs> although I would not at all recommend Reese James at right centre back and then Trent Alexander at right wing back next to him no, the only not, reason right, Reese James time. Works no. at right center back is because Aspie's the right wing back outside yes, of him, yeah, true, very true. conservatively. So, <laughs> true. Uh, Bologna or for Angolo Conte or no? Simple as that. He's like the Fuck, fucking greatest yes. player in the fucking world. I've never seen anyone who reads a game like that. <laughs> so since he came to Leicester, he's won the uh, Premier League. He's won the FA Cup. He's won the League Cup. He's won the Champions League. Chelsea won the Europa League, right? Yep. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's won the Europa League and he's won the World Cup. If that is not destiny that France win the fucking Euros <laughs> and he has literally won every trophy he can since winning the league with Leicester. Well, I mean, he's won it all with Chelsea. Like as a Chelsea player. He was man of the match for both semi-finals and the final. <laughs> yep. And like, how long were we saying, like, just play the guy in the position he's best at, that he is the best at in the world. And I'm so fucking happy. He was walking along. Everyone else is kissing the trophy. COVID, come on. He just walks along, just gives it yeah. a nice little pat. He oh. drives a smart car for fuck's Love sake. It. Like the oh, guys, he does. And I love him. I love him. Fair, like, Incredible, absolutely incredible player. His post-match interview was basically like, yeah, I'm just really happy to play with my friends. We're all friends out there and we played together like friends and I love my friends. 
the fucking they were like, "Are oh, you're so amazing." He's like, "No, we're all friends. That's it's just my it was just another day with my friends running around." I was like, oh, "You fucking man, I love you it. absolute hero." Um, I'm not at all kidding. I do think that he should get the Ballon d'Or, and that includes Lewandowski breaking Gerd Müller's record. But Ian, where are you at on on Kante just in general? Like, well, th- that will never happen, as you know. But they just won't give it to a defensive midfielder. I just can't see. Fair it enough. But, that's true. But, like that's a shame, but that will never happen. Um, but yeah, what what an absolute hero! I mean, he just does the job consistently so well all the time, and he just I don't I'm not sure. If, ever seen him put a foot wrong virtually on the football field he's just so dependable so i mean and and yeah <laughs> such a nice guy as well so yeah there's nothing more to be said really that just and i'm so so genuinely happy for just him it's just it's what a career as chuck's laid out there it's impossible to do more in the game than he's done I mean, it's and just his ability to read plays is unbelievable i watched a oh, breakdown yeah. like a tactical breakdown of him on youtube i've, I've seen so many fucking videos in the last three days <laughs> but basically they showed him standing in the center circle this wasn't in the final this was in one of the semifinals and he's standing in the center circle and he starts sprinting like fucking full out sprinting and the players around him are like barely moving and then they look at him and they're like wait shit why is he running should i be running also <laughs> and they kind of like start looking around and by the time they get into a jog and golo kante intercepted a pass that was three passers later than the ball was when he started sprinting and he intercepted it like near the edge of the box. So it was like the ball was out wide, pass, pass, pass. And exactly at the halfway point of the third pass, he intercepted it, created a chance. And then Chelsea scored from there. I forgot what match it was in, but like fucking He's, ridiculous. He, he's the defensive canary in the mine. When you see N'Golo running, you run. It doesn't matter where, you just run in the same something direction. Wrong. I'm, something wrong. Well, I, I'm in the wrong place, shit, I needed it. So, Oscar, just to, just to round this off then, because you've spoken about this before and selling players at their peak and all that. Yes, good, thank you. I was going to eat my humble pie, so go ahead and serve it to me. <laughs> well, no, this, is, this isn't the case, because I still think that the case stands that there is a certain element of player that you need to sell at their peak to, to be able to facilitate the next generation. It just has to happen at some time. Otherwise, you end up with too many players right. past their peak, and then you're fucked. Yeah. What would you envision or what would you like Chelsea to do with N'Golo Kante going forward? I th- This will go against 99.9% of my beliefs about how to run a club and tactics and finances and analytics and all that sort of moneyball stuff. There are occasional rare few players where you say, fuck it, the finances don't matter. Just pay this man. We'll give him a 10-year contract and the last seven <laughs> of it will be like wasted money. But we keep N'Golo Kante as long as we can keep him. As long as he's still playing, as long as he still has legs. And if eventually he phases out towards like a more bench role, you know, he did have all those injury problems. Like even as recently as Wednesday, we were all very worried if he was going to be healthy enough to play the final or not. Like it is, he is always 2% injured, you know, at least. Um, So I do think we need to invest in the midfield. I think we can't just rely on him to be the only really thing. And, and, And like shout out Jorginho who had an amazing match. And I don't really have anything specific to say about Jorginho other than he had an amazing match. But like, no, just that he did a good job. He did a good job. He, he did what he was supposed to do. Mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but N'Golo is the superstar in our midfield. And I would say we need another superstar and preferably a younger one that he can sort of train up. They can get one or two seasons with them just being like the best midfield fucking of all time. Like, let's go out and sign Joshua Kimmich this summer or whoever. I don't care how much money it costs. Like, we just made $150 million off that one result. Throw it at somebody. 
fine. But I do say like we keep Conte around until until he doesn't yeah. want to play for us anymore. Even if it's bad financially, he's so good that you just you just eat that money. You can always take the hit on one player. And I think to replace him, you're going to have to take the money ball approach to put enough people in there that can simulate him. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, in, in that true format, because it's, you know, he'll be able to teach people some stuff. But like the, like exactly like you just said, that situation, like you can't teach that. You just, or not in a season no. or whatever, like you just are that. Here's, just, here's my favorite stat of the night and then we'll move on. Um, he had the most successful headers of anyone, despite being the shortest person on the pitch. One meter 68. Yeah. And there was that one, he was exactly between the two city center backs jumping. They're both about seven feet taller than him. And he was still the one that got his head to it because he just like reads the game that fast that like, by the time they jump, it's already too late. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just that good. So shout out Conte, the tiny one getting all the headers. Um, next up, we have Chile. Ben Chilwell, a year ago playing for Leicester. Now he's a Champions League winner. That's got to feel pretty fucking good. I'm just saying. And he, I think, has progressed the most of anybody under Tuchel. That might be a, a way too hot of a take. I don't know. But like, he was so composed. Mares running at him, which is terrifying. And he knows that better than, oh, did they play together at Leicester? I don't know. Either way, it's terrifying. You know, obviously the the goal comes from an amazing long pass. Chilwell takes it down with such a perfect first touch and then hands it off to Mount that Mount then has all the time in the world to pick out a pass. And and Mount did amazing with it. He, had, he did a turn. He played the through ball weight perfect, whatever. But like that goal, one of the things that needs to happen for that goal to happen is Chilwell having that perfect touch and then immediately finding Mount in about half a second. So, like, he played a vital, vital part. And he had a few chances where, he, you know, he just kept getting up. The whole match, you just look, and Chua was in wide open in space out there. And they would look towards him and Timo. It's not the first time Man City have been up against that. But they still didn't manage to shut it down, you know. Does Chua start? Same question for England at the Euros. It's him or Luke Shaw and Vibes, basically. uh, (laughs) Luke Shaw and Vibes, it does work. (laughs) It does work. <laughs> Luke Sean Vibes has a touch to it. <laughs> no, I'd like to see Chilwell there. Yeah. Five, I'm good with either of them. Yeah, and I do think you would get the benefit of Chilwell and James who already know each other. Like, anytime you can plug in a unit yeah. into a defense internationally, that's better than just, like, one talented player, uh, in my opinion. Ian, where are you at just with Just not Carl Walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah, personally, I feel like Chilwell's the more complete player, so... Uh, I mean, I'd be happy with either because I think Shaw's had an amazing season. But um, yeah, Chilwell for England for me would probably be my first choice in that position, I think. Excellent. All right. Well, then let's move down the list. Next up, we have Mason Mount, Chelsea, reigning Chelsea player of the year. In my opinion, give him the R-band next year. What a leader. Uh, One sentence review of Mason Mount's performance. My brother, who coaches soccer but doesn't watch soccer, so he kind of understands tactics a bit. Right. Was what? like he doesn't watch like professional soccer, but he like is a soccer coach. Um, it's right. a, it's like a that's just how it works over here sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> vibes. He was vibes. like, <laughs> he's Luke Shaw and vibes. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was like, yo, who's that number nineteen? He's popped up everywhere on the pitch. I was like, yeah, that's Mason Mount. That's just what he does. Like he's just doing everything. <laughs> that assist. Boy. What a pass! I was so happy to be wearing his shirt. What a fucking perfect assist! Like. Oh, my God. Tell me beautiful things about Mason Mount quickly, and then we can move on. (laughs) Like, he just performs as you'd expect him to. And that's 
an incredible compliment and just it's yeah. just assumed now I think this year like he's had an incredible year absolutely incredible year he's really made the most of all of his progress over the last two three seasons from through Derby and Lampard and whatever and then coming into Tuchel and then winning in a fucking Champions League final that that's incredible and I I, incredible. I do think he made the jump this year I think he has like superstar 100%. numbers superstar yeah. name now and the last thing he needed to add to his game was passing you know, if you remember back to like the beginning of the season, every time Mount was in the lineup, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. A lot of a lot of shots from 30 yards. Um, and he still has a bit of that, but like now he makes it in good situations where it will draw people out and keep people honest, like keepers and stuff. Um, but he has really completed his game. Like he, he yeah. has just come so far. He's nominated for player of the year now. Like yeah, that's, Premier League player of the year. Yeah. The, the, the Like you say, the amount he's come on has been incredible. He's so... Uh, so happy on the ball and so mature at his age and I think you've you've got someone you might be able to build around for years there and that's that's insane but especially because he's he was like Lampard's boy wasn't he I mean it could have been mm-hmm. a change of manager could have been an issue for him absolutely uh, him and him and Frank got on so well but he's I mean he's just stepped up this season incredibly so he didn't he didn't let that get to him at all so yeah, no, and I, I was uh, telling you about that athletic story. One of my favorite little anecdotes from in there is when he came in, when Tuchel came in, again, a lot of the young guys were scared and he dropped a lot of the young players for that first match. Yeah. And on the, like the next training day or like two training days later, Mason Mount took the rest of the young guys and was like, bro, are you going to fucking like, what? Like what, what's up with the academy, bro? And he like got into it with Tuchel. They said that like there was an altercation hmm. and instead of like, Getting angry about it, Tuchel was like, oh, I respect that fire. That's what I want. I love that. And I think that's exactly what Mount has. He's like so far beyond his age because we have so many 21 and 22-year-olds in this fucking squad, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, And he's ready, man. Give him the number eight. Give him the armband and let's fucking go next year. That's where I'm at on Mount. Um, Timo, cursed child. (laughs) Missed a couple of of whiffs. Classic Timo. Um, but who else but Timo? <laughs> I will say this: that goal zero percent happens without Timo's unbelievably intelligent and aggressive running. He kept Kai on side. He gave Kai all of that wide open space and opened that channel up by just sprinting towards the corner flag, knowing full well that that ball was not going to go to him. But Timo is such a hard worker. He's such an honest, like, just like German player. He like he's efficient. He goes to fucking work, right? And he's running everywhere so shout out Timo because that goal doesn't happen without him I'd agree it doesn't happen without him and I agree if he hadn't missed all those shots this year that uh, Mason Mount would have passed to him in that situation so yes that goal (laughs) wouldn't have happened either way without Timo (laughs) Werner being Timo Werner I will spin it however I fucking want Mount made a different decision because of what happened oh all right um Then, then we'll take it to the goal scorer, the surprise inclusion, in my opinion, because I really did think it was going to be Pulisic, and that is Kai Havertz, yet another 20 or 21-year-old in the lineup who had a fucking amazing day. Um, it wasn't just the goal. He was threatening. He was dragging defenders around. He was playing as a backboard. One, two passes. He had a couple of dribbles. He had some pass, like some crosses and stuff. Just like, just a menace. He has come into his own under Tuchel phenomenally. And I think a big part of his story and one that I've been bringing up and people still don't really aren't talking about it, but I think that the COVID element is a big fucking deal. Everybody was like, oh, what a flop. He hasn't been a good transfer. My dude was out for six weeks with COVID 
And it was like a particularly bad case. And it took Mm -hmm. many months before he looked like he could handle running at any sort of speed for any sort of length of time. He's only started to look fit and healthy in the last month or so. And so I think that those of you that were like, and this goes more for Chelsea fans than anybody, really, sitting there being like, oh, what a flop, so expensive, blah, 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 blah. Like, bro, we're only just starting to see the beginning of Kai Havertz. And shout out his post-match interview. I don't know if you guys saw this on BT Sport. Yes, I did. I was going to mention it. (laughs) Fucking amazing. For those of you that didn't hear it at home. The interviewer basically goes, Chelsea's most expensive signing ever. Do you feel like you've justified your price tag? And he just, just like full send, just goes, I don't give a fuck about that. We just won the fucking (laughs) Champions League and then drops the mic and walks off. I was like, what a hero. Oh, fucking lad, lad, lad. And that was and that was after um, what people might not have seen there is that obviously he's there laughing with Asby, but Asby comes over in the middle of his post-match and it's just like, you know, it starts off laughing at joking, but it's just like, this guy, incredible. He came in, yeah. he dealt with this, he dealt with that. He's put in the work, he's done that. No one has done more. Like, he deserves it. He deserves this goal. 21 years old, scores the winner in a Champions League final. That just shows the talent and, and who he is. And I think that's incredibly right. And he and he deserves that because, you know, we, we've said it before, he was 20 years old. You come to a country where potentially you don't know that many people. You're on lockdown. You're on lockdown yeah. You can't go around and see the people that you have just met. You can't go out for dinner. And this was that was Paul Merston saying saying about this. And I thought it was, there was a hell of a lot of truth in it. And it still rings true now. That Like, you're confined to your house. You've got this illness. You don't know anyone. You've got these fans saying whatever. I don't know if the price tag does play as much of a, an impact as people do do think, especially when they're out on the pitch. When you're in it, mm. I don't know, but like, uh, I think that was an incredible response, and I think it just shows what kind of person, what kind of player he is. That it's yeah, that was fantastic. Loved it, absolutely loved it. It was his first Champions League goal, and this was his first start in a cup final. And what a fucking way to do it! Good on him. Get it all out of his system before Germany in, in the Euros, <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> all right, well, you guys don't have to jump in here. I'll rattle off some of the bench players just because there's a few jokes and a few observations <laughs> I want to make. Uh, shout out Willie Caballero, uh, <laughs> older than Petr Cech. Petr Cech standing in the background of the celebration videos in his, like, I'm an administrator at this club, serious but smiling. And then Willie's, like, in his fucking underwear, dancing with the kids, like, dancing with these 21-year-olds. I'm like, dude, you are twice these kids' ages. Like, what are you doing? I hope he retires finally. But shout out Willie Caballero, who has to Legend. be, I think, the oldest Champions League winner ever, probably. I don't know. Hard to know. <laughs> There's no way to know. Uh, speaking of goalkeepers, shout out Kepa, Champions League winner. <laughs> oh my God, knee sliding over. You have some respect, man, honestly. Nah, in that moment, any and all celebrations are fair game. I had zero, like just a fucking stud. Let's go, Kepa. I love you forever. I just don't want to see you play. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he dropped the medal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, continuing down the list, Kovacic, great appearance off the bench. Hopefully he can sort of stay healthy and make more of an impact next season. Um, Pulisic missed that chance at the end. Oh my God. Mm. I literally was already (gasps) celebrating. And then my brother was like, bro, 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 look at the TV. He didn't score. I was like, fuck. Because I was like, the angle, it was one of those really deceptive angles that as he tapped it, you thought, wow. Like I said, I went, wow. And then you saw it go wide and it was, oh. Gutting. That was that would have been incredible. That would have been, it was the first appearance for an American in a men's Champions League final, and obviously also the first win for an American man in the Champions League. 
So huge deal. Really did feel like a, a coming of age moment for America. A like, yo, we're here. We out here. Like he didn't start, but he could have started. He's just as important as Kai Havertz is to this team. And he played really well for the 30 minutes he saw. Um, so that was really cool from Shit, the American shit's perspective. on Clint Dempsey in the Europa League final. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one last one. Shout out Billy Gilmore, who uh, is just the... Oh, Billy the Fetus. Billy the Gilmore, <laughs> Billy the Fetus, MVP of celebrations. There is a great video on Chelsea's Instagram of him using the Champions League trophy as a Bluetooth with a Bluetooth speaker in it, playing the Spice Girls, <laughs> drunk oh. off his ass, dancing with the trophy to the Spice Girls. Using like, the cup as an amplifier. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Classic, <laughs> classic. Science. Um and he was he was like drunk off his ass, and I like me and Emily just looked at each other and were like, "Is he even old enough to drink, even in England?" <laughs> Who cares? It's Portugal, mate. Portugal. There you man. go. Holiday rules. There you go. So shout out Billy Gilmore. Start winning the Champions League and then starting for Scotland at the Euros this summer. What a fucking what a fucking life at nineteen years old. Yeah, losing every game. Sure, but still. Um, and that's it, man. That's really it. That's all I have. Um, oh, so happy we could give that to you. Yeah, I do. I got a message from Andy Penpraise from Sutton Patreon. I did want to read some of it out just to give a different Chelsea fan a small voice. He sent me about 17 paragraphs, so I'm going to edit this down a little bit uh, just oh, to uh, keep it short. But all right, here well, we go. I have a way Ian's editing it down, so maybe you do what Ian does. <laughs> uh, here we go in the middle of it. Fast forward. We meet Thomas Tuchel. It has been fascinating to watch over the past few months how the team has transitioned from a ramshackle group of promising yet error-prone individuals to a tight, organized, and formidable unit. The football has not always been beautiful, and the results have not always been there, but we have been slowly finding that perfect balance. Under Tuchel, we have become organized, always compact, and ready to pounce. So what next? Will we build from here? Will Timo settle? Will Roman give Tuchel time to build a dynasty? We can hope, but the foundations are there. I see no reason why next season cannot deliver a Premier League title and a solid defense of the Champions League. Even with some missteps under Tuchel, we've matched City stride for side stride in 2021, and it is in our hands to consolidate and to grow. Uh, excellent sentiments there from Andy Pempreys from Sutton. Shout out. Thank you, bud. I think it's fair. Um, I think that's good. I agree. I think this feels like the start of something really important. The last Champions League, when we won it in 2012, was very clearly the end of an era. It was the last hurrah of Czech, Ashley Cole, John Terry, Drogba, Lampard, all those guys. Half of this starting lineup and half of this squad is under the age of 22 or under the age of 23, meaning they could still play for the U23s, obviously. Like, that's fucking crazy. And that if we can keep this core of players and add one or two pieces this summer, I genuinely think we're the best team in the world next year. I think we might already be in the best team in the world at the moment. Obviously, City were better over the course of the season. But like Andy said, we matched them. We were one expected point and one actual point beneath them for the second half of the season since Tuchel took over. And we beat them three out of three times, knocked them out of the FA Cup and beat them in the Champions League. So I do think that there's a decent like shout for us being the best team in the world right now. Um, and so young. Oh my God, it's so exciting that we're so young. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Part of me beforehand, I kind of wanted City to win. And like, there might be a minuscule bit of... You know, that would be funny to see how Oscar takes it considering oh he God. just recorded an hour. But also there was the element of like, I'd like to just because Chelsea have won it before. Man City have not. They've been trying for so long and I just think that would just be a nice thing. But when 
and and throughout the whole game I was watching it and I did kind of have that spin on it. But Chelsea when Chelsea won, I was I'm going to get emotional now as well. Is I was very happy and I couldn't give a shit about any of the Chelsea players about Chelsea history or whatever. But Oscar, you've had a shit year. You've been stuck inside and I was happy for you, mate. Thanks, bud. Thank you. I, it, we were just, the tears were flowing. I almost broke my brother's TV. <laughs> we were in his like big home theater in the basement. And when Havertz scored, me and Emily just jumped up. I picked her up or slash she jumped into my arms. I don't know. And we were just spinning like in Titanic. <laughs> like, and then at certain point she was like flailing while I was lifting her and spinning. And so we kind of like went off balance and I was like, oh no. Three of your brother's kids hitting the wall. Yeah. I was like, a couple of things might happen here. I could land on top of her and seriously injure her. We could fall into the wall. Or I could land on my brother's kids. Or I could land on my brother's kids. Yeah, exactly. So I slowly twisted her. I felt like Superman. I said everything slowed down for a second. I was like, I'm going to wrap her around me and twist so that she falls on me. And then we were about an inch away from knocking my brother's 80-something inch TV down on top of us. Jesus. With like five minutes left in the first half. Jesus Christ. Oh, but it did feel like a like a sort of... I don't know, man. Like, to, to City, I will say everyone has to lose their first final. We lost 08. It breaks your heart. You'll be back. You will win it. Like, it's, it's very rare that someone comes in and wins right away. Um, and from the Chelsea perspective, like, bigger picture, this, like, we're level with Juventus now for Champions League slash European Cup trophies. And if it hadn't been for John Terry slipping in the rain in 08, we would have more than United. United are on three. We're on two. And, it, and that 08, like, that one slipped penalty is the difference between us having more Champions League titles than United. Like, we are... This is huge. There are a bunch of teams with two. You know, everybody jokes about, like... Yeah, all right, mate. All right, mate. You've had, like, a fucking hour on it. Right? <laughs> this is my last thoughts here. Um, there's a bunch of teams with two. You look at Nottingham Forest, and they got two back-to-back. But I think that we have two with two different squads. That's harder. There's a significant element there of difficulty. And I think that this just really is, like... Go ahead. Try to sing We Ain't Got No History at us from now on because fuck you guys. We got two Champions Leagues. We have 17 trophies in the last 15 years. The next best team is 13. Like, we're here, man. This is our moment. This is our time. And like, we are no longer like a new rich club. We are just a big fucking club with history, with trophies, with legacy. Like, get out of here. Because if it wasn't for John Terry slipping in the rain, we'd have more Champions Leagues than United. Mighty, mighty United with all their rich history. So that's it. That's all I got on the Champions League final, which means that we should transition over to some awards, some end of season stuff. Um, we have some FPL. We can crown our FPL champion. We'll crown the uh, Fantrax Draft League champion. I'll talk a little bit about the final day of the season there. Um, we have a predictor league to crown. And then we do have a couple of end of season awards that we like to do usually every year. Um, Chuck, where would you like to start with this? Do you want to start with the predictor league? Where, where were you at? FPL, what do you want? Um, well... We could do a predictor league final standings where we find out where people ended after quite a dismal and lengthy season way back when. I don't even remember when in the year 2020. Ooh, what was the time? What happened? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, what a pandemic. Ugh. They gave us predictions. Some of them don't know about it and they might have one. Uh- <laughs> Jeez. It's the Predictor League! Uh, not to bury the lead there, but you know, it yeah, is what it is. Yeah. So, obviously, at the start of the year, people gave me the predictions and we're going to run through it. 
Um, we'll start from the bottom. Bless her little heart. She's in the next room. I can hear her making her dinner. Um, my, my, love, my lovely fiance Gina on uh, 88 points. Uh, who knows? It's, you know, eight and eight, two Chinese good luck numbers. Who knows for next year? Maybe. I doubt she'll enter again. Um, 33rd, Dan Parkinson. Uh, Honourable mention for putting Tottenham to get relegated. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned her in a little bit, but Safira, go! Oh, shit. Oh, and the thing didn't work. There we go. <laughs> Always believe in your soul. You scored 74. It isn't very good. But Fulham will be back. Safira Gold. There you go. No, I don't have words for another verse. No, no, no. This is getting worse. I'm going to end it now. Oscar Dalton is 31st. Um, Oscar Dalton, 31st on 74. But to be honest, all these people are joint. I should have looked at that. Um, Patreon. It's a Patreon loving right down there. Mark Daffin, Andy Pempraise of Sutton, Oscar of Dalton and Safira Gold. Oh, shit. Where'd we end up? Oh, fuck, didn't work. Gold. Well, we, it's about brilliant. While we move on to the next bit, we go to 72nd. Mr. Puente, Yay. 25th in the league. Congratulations, sir, with... Patreon Tom Townley, Patreon Jordan Cohen, and Matthew Gold. Oh, it's not working. I need a new iPad. Oh, can I expense it? Um... Oh, there we go. <laughs> Thanks. <Get it> out. <laughs> Please don't edit that down. Um, <laughs> oh, brother of Safira, just above there. Uh, then we move up to 68. Patreon Jeff Pedder, Blair Williamson, and Lynn the Hammer. Uh, 68. <laughs> We go up to 66. We have Gabriel, Dave Matteo, uh, James and Mark Howells. Then 14th, producer, girlfriend Haver, defender of the realm, Haver of haircuts, eater of sandwiches, <laughs> Nate Whittam on 64, Adam Punching Bag on 64, Rob Heppenstall, Patron and John OG, Patron, on 64 as well. We then move up to the 62s. That's where you find Big Chucky. Big Chucky in ninth. Uh, Johnny Worthington, uh, Spawn of Stimson, Padfall, and the average between the three of us. There we go. Uh, then we move up Van Dan San Danby, who might get a mention in the FPL section, and <laughs> Alex Sampson on 60. Mr. Stimson in sixth place, Six. 58. Oh, not bad. So one of us doesn't win this year. I fucked it. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. I don't have a title for next year. Um, James Doncaster and the doctor, the good doctor, Emily Drennan on 52 points. Oh, hey, get and in. then we move into the top three. So, I mean, I'm just going to say first, one of us didn't win, but uh, the XG differential per 90 t- did win. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. Stats. Stats. So that was forty-two. So we have father of Oscar Dalton and Chris Smith that are left with forty-eight points. We have Chris Smith and the winner, who doesn't know he's fucking entered, (laughs) doesn't listen. His son does. His son entered him. I guess. I don't know. Father of Oscar. Don't even know his name. Dalton. Yeah. Papa Uh, Dalton. We just call him Papa. (laughs) 46 points. What a woeful assembly. Uh, let's talk through <laughs> Papa Dalton champions uh, predictions. Uh, so top four, he had City winning the league. He had Liverpool in second, Arsenal third. What? Uh, Chelsea fourth, Leicester fifth, Man United sixth, Tottenham seventh, then Wolves, Everton, Sheffield United, Leeds, West Ham, Palace, Newcastle, then 
the bottom six, he got five of them in the exact right spot. Wow. Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, Fulham, West Brom. And then he had Villa last. Which honestly, so, you know, that's not a terrible prediction given their season last season. No one knew that Jack Grealish was going to do Jack Grealish things. So Jack Grealish going to do Jack Grealish. So there you go. Um, congratulations, Papa Dalton. I'm guessing. I mean, Oscar, yeah. son of son of Papa. You you get in touch with him, and uh, we'll we'll wangle a fifty pound gift card that might get gifted to you, mate. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, you or your dad's just going to spend it on his own stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's it. Predictor League done for another year. Oh, well done, Close chat. Tab. Well done. All right, what about uh? Ian, talk to us about FPL. Who won the MOP FPL Mini League, the Patreon League this year? Uh, remember when Sam Danby was like 7,000th in the world? Sam Danby was And he was like 100 and something, 100 points ahead of everyone. Yeah. Not to pile on here. Abs- do you remember that? I do remember that, mate. Yeah. Abs- and, and ended up yeah. finishing third in our league. Oh. Third. Third. He started listening to my advice. <laughs> <laughs> the aforementioned Andy Pempreys from Sutton uh, won the Miles Outside Patreon League by uh, seven points. It was slim at the top in the end. Beat Jeff Pedder wow. by seven points. There was two points between Jeff and Sam. And then it was a bit more of a gap. But uh, yeah, Sam's, I know he's absolutely gutted about his capitulation in various leagues, cash and otherwise. <laughs> I think he stood to make a bit of money beforehand, but oh, yeah. not anymore. Oh, Good that's unf- He got in his own head, definitely. He, I think he um, did, yeah. Did, did Andy win anything for the... We don't do anything for FPL, do no, we? No, we don't do anything. We should yeah, do next year. I think we should... Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah, we'll next do, year, next do year Andy. <laughs> Sorry, well, Andy won, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Andy's a Chelsea fan, so he's having a pretty good week. I don't think he particularly... Yeah, You've exactly. had enough, Andrew. Um, what I will say which is a weird one and we know it's like loads of people have been talking about FPL and how mental the scoring was this year so Andy finished on 2,376 so a great score an unbelievable score and his overall rank is 130,000th roughly wow last year I got 110 points less than that and came 30,000 places higher that's it's nuts, isn't it? It's been such a high so, scoring season. Yeah, it's been I've an never scored madness. I've never scored as highly as Andy scored uh, this year. I five years ago, I barely broke two thousand three hundred, and that was a top ten k finish. Wow! So wow. it's yeah, something. Yo, I was, just dropped that in there, mate. Yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not as good as you used to be. When I first oh, no, started playing, it was like four million players. Now it's up to like eight or something. So I think that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, it has like, gone up by at least a million a year. True, it's all but these still, fucking fake it's, accounts it's... and permutations and people that do it for one week. Also, yeah. they're the sad wankers. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was a crazy scoring. I, th- I think Chuck nailed it though in the WhatsApp group. In that it was there's a concentration. There was a concentration of points, wasn't there, with Bruno and uh, and Salah having runs. And if you just got on those runs, you were laughing. It was mm. it was it there were so that, many but... weeks where like people were arguing between like. Uh, I don't know, like Kane or Salah, or, they, or like there were there were yeah. like discussions going on about three, maybe even four player A or player B, and then you get yeah. into the week and all seven, all six, all eight return. Yeah, and yeah. you're just like, okay, well, it yeah. was just much of a muchness, and then that's just what really mattered. More yeah. concentrated game weeks with triple, you know, triple game week doubles, whatever yeah. madness. But um, you know, I guess you got to pass on the crown to. Ian. Yes, mate. I'm afraid yeah. so. Yeah. Quite a few points in it. So I was yeah. so close, and then Aguero died. Yeah, and then he came back. And I didn't have him when he did score. The fucker. 
Uh, All right. Well, I'll give 30 seconds to the Mop Draft League just because I'm the only draft player here among us. Oh, is that Um, that how Ian's going out? Like, oh, you won. Yeah. Right, draft league. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Well, if we're going to do, you know, we make it more interesting this year. And, you know, we said next year, are we going to do the FPL pods together and do a little bit of a a fight? Yeah, you did mention that. Yeah, we could maybe do the, the, me and you could do the FPL pods together if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It would very much have to be an as live situation because I can't be asked to edit anything else. So, oh, that's fine. Yeah. It's only got the patrons anyway. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The benefit of both our experience, or uh, <laughs> the not benefit. What's the opposite of benefit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's the opposite of benefit? Yeah, burden. <laughs> the burden. Yeah, the burden of burden. both of your advice. I take full credit for Sam Danby, and I'm not even ashamed. <laughs> to other people, I am. I feel. Have bad. you heard of Sam Danby? <laughs> Who? Exactly. Who won fan track? Oscar, did you win? Did you win it? No, I did not. But let me paint a picture for you boys oh, going into the last sake. match of the season, the last game week of the season. We had Johnny Boy Werther's, friend of the pod, Johnny Boy Werther's, out in first place, three points ahead of the chasing pack. And we had a tie for second place on table points between Punching Bag Adam and Gabriel, FPL Gabriel, um, who is also a good friend of the pod. Uh, Adam and Gabriel both had massive, massive tiebreaker advantage over Johnny Boy Werther. So if Johnny Boy did not win his last fixture, then one of the other two was going to get the title because they were playing each other. So essentially the winner of that would be the most likely to beat Johnny Boy if Johnny Boy dropped any points. But Johnny Boy didn't drop points. So despite coming in fourth on the underlying numbers, uh, he did win the title. So shout out Johnny Boy Werther's. We love you. Excellent job. Play. Um, yep, you also win nothing. You also win nothing. <laughs> we will continue the draft league next year if we have enough interest. We will do two divisions um, with promotion and relegation going forward from there. Uh, oh, hello. Expansion. Yeah. So get in touch. If you want to be in, you can join the Slack on patreon.com slash milesoffsidepod uh, and we'll organize there. But there is promotion relegation. It's not like a draft super league or anything. Well, the first year would be yeah. a draft super league to the original members, but <laughs> there uh, is a there is a coefficient. Oscar members. will be in the top league. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, he yeah, will yeah, not yeah. be able to get relegated because he is commissioner. Okay. Yeah. I, if I join, I'd like to be in the second league, please. I just don't want the pressure. To be <laughs> the spectre of the relegation at the feast. What? We can't relegate yeah. from the bottom, Chuck. You would just get your team. Exactly. Would just get deleted I don't want at that it. Point. I don't want it. Oh, that's fine. Uh, Which I guess brings us to the way to wrap up this season with a couple of quick awards. I have written down the awards. Chuck and Ian do not know who I have nominated or what the awards are. So I'm going to let you guys vote. And if there is a reason for a tiebreaker, then I will vote as the tiebreaker. So let's start things off with the best transfer of the year. The transfer that was worth the most to the team that signed them, given the money that they signed them for. The first is Ruben Diaz for Manchester City, arguably City's best player this year, certainly the biggest improvement to their defense. Uh, The next option would be Edison Cavani on a free and was phenomenal for Manchester United. Um, And then the last one is Edward Mendy coming in for Chelsea and just not being Kepa. Um, so between Diaz, Cavani, <laughs> and Mendy, who would you say was the best transfer mm. of the summer? So I think I think something you have to factor in is uh, who you know who they came in and and had to fight to displace. You know, Edouard Mendy, whilst he's achieved a lot this season, <laughs> it's not saying much to say he had to to fight to replace uh, Kepa. 
Um, having said that, he was playing in like the tenth tier of football and nearly quit like six years ago or something. He's he's got yeah. one of those stories, and so you know that's incredible. Cavani, yeah, I think a lot of people weren't sure, but he proved, especially in the tail end of the season, I think over the start, um, that he still can do it, and he got himself you know a, another year and two years something. But I just I think Ruben Diaz coming in as a defender at twenty four, twenty five, I think. You know, displacing Laporte, who Pep absolutely loved, who is exactly his player, forging that partnership with John Stones that meant they got like 11 clean sheets in a row or something ridiculous, conceding like 0.05 XG for 20 games in a row. Yeah, it was insane. And just, you know, the fact that you can have someone that has that impact on John Stones, who was known for calamities and has actually sorted him out, I I think Ruben Diaz... I'm inclined to agree. I feel like being Homer when he's doing the film festival and he's like, Barney's film had heart, but football in the groin had football in the groin. And it's like, <laughs> well, Diaz, Diaz sorted out Man City's whole defence, but Mendy was not Kepa. So <laughs> yeah, that is true. It's tricky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think I'd, if you'd have asked me just player of the year or even even without any sort of, you know, who's the best transfer, I'd have probably gone Diaz anyway. So, yeah, I think I've got got to agree with Chuck on all all sides. Very good. That is the correct answer. That's who I would have voted for anyway. So as much as I want to say Mendy, like, yeah. (laughs) No, it's it's actually Eberetche Eze, but, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's uh, officially Ruben Diaz for best transfer. From there, we move to player of the season. I do have all the nominees (laughs) that the Premier League has put up. I don't agree with some of these, but I figure that's the best way to be objective. So we have Ruben Diaz, aforementioned, KDB, Bruno, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Mason Mount, Mo Salah, or Thomas Suchek. I would go for Diaz. As I said before, I think even if it's player of the year, I think he, for everything Chuck said, what what he did to solidify that defense, it was such, such, such a good transfer to solidify an already good defense. You know, that sounds ridiculous, I guess. But yeah, I, I just... I. I think it's been such a good purchase and will be such a good player for such a long time that I just, yeah, I think he's been incredible this season. And I think it's nice to be able to give that sort of thing to a defender rather than, I think everyone else you mentioned in that list has some negatives or went through a slight patch where you weren't sure. And I'm not sure that Diaz did really. So yeah, I'd go for him. All right, Chuck, are you also going with Diaz or do you want to vote for one of the other guys? Do you need those names again? Are you good? Um, no, no, um, it's not going to be Diaz, uh, okay. for me. Bruno Fernandes has been incredible, uh, in that United team, whatever, whatever you say and whatever we have said, you know, we've, we've said many times it's about individual performances and by God, did he pull a lot of them out of the bag and some incredible <laughs> goals and, and some great numbers, uh, you know, 18 goals and 12 assists, um, beating the midfielder record for Frank Lampard um, was that's incredible and, and something that a lot of us didn't think would happen from a midfielder yeah, fair. but I'm not going to go with him I don't think KDB <laughs> played enough okay um, yeah. Sutek I think was good for a patch but the, you know it was just a goal scoring stretch I think that's probably got him no, that yeah it's not a enough of a... of a breakout star to be player of the year that's no, yeah success I would say same yeah. thing for Grealish he was injured when he played he was yeah. amazing but he was injured so it, and that's just unfortunate I think if Grealish played the whole season I mean he got an England call up which I, I really really hope he gets to play against Scotland and would just recreate the Gaza goal because I just think that's 
written in the stars for what could happen again in another Euros tournament in the group stage would be phenomenal. Uh, who is it? Salah? No. And um, <laughs> Mason Mount um, or it, Harry Kane are the two left. Mount's been great. He's you know if you were going to give a young player of the year mm-hmm. that wouldn't be a Ruben Diaz, it, I'd I'd probably give it to him. In all honesty, um, definitely not because we were going on about it for ages earlier. But I just think Harry Kane from we haven't didn't think anything like this would happen. And he yeah. fucking dumps golden boot and, you know, yeah. whatever the fucking word That's is for the true. most assists in a season <laughs> for a team that we all said was playing dog shit, were turgid football against all the Mourinho yeah. odds, adapted his game. Uh, he's probably going to win the golden boot of the Euros as well. But, you know, that's just because... <laughs> uh, pens. Just pens. You don't think it's going to be on goal this time? Uh, oh, it could be up there. Um, but I, I I, think it's Kane that that I, I would give it to. I think it's just been an incredible comeback. Um, I say comeback like he's never, he hasn't done it. You, yeah, you, you yeah. know what I mean. It sounds stupid no, exactly, to say yeah, comeback, absolutely. but... That's that's phenomenal, and um, obviously I I might have lost my bet with Jeff Petter. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> I mean, it's a good job I don't use Twitter anymore. But um, yeah, I, I have to. What, what do I have to do, Jeff? Like you're here. Uh, I think I have to change my display picture to Harry Kane, and I think I have to put uh, I love Harry Kane in my bio. Enough. So if go. he wins the Golden Boot and England win the Euros, that's all right. That covers that. But, <laughs> no, I would give player my player of the season be Harry Kane. Uh, so I guess I'm the tiebreaker here between Ruben Diaz and Harry Kane. Well, well unless you, you pick the third one forward, if you want. Well, no, I'm the tiebreaker. I'm not like giving my own vote. And either way, my answer was one of the ones that you two picked. And in a fucking massive end of season plot twist, it's Harry Kane. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I mean, you win the Golden Love Boot it. and the assists for the year. Yeah, you got you got to get Player of the Season. I'm sorry, and he won't get it. He won't get the actual one. It'll probably be Bruno because it's an online poll. And Man United fans, I did my job and I went and voted for Mason Mount, even though he doesn't deserve it. Um, <laughs> but it's Kane. It's Harry Kane for me. There's no most improved, again resuscitated from the grave by the one and only Jose Mourinho. Like. Just the the fucking unbelievable way that Kane played. He and Son just were the only reason that Tottenham were not an absolute dog shit team. So yeah, Harry Kane for me. Uh, let's move on then to the next category. I have manager of the season. I took these also from the official list, although I added one because fucking obviously. Manager of the season, we have the official nominees according to the Premier League are Pep Guardiola, Marcelo Bielsa, Brendan Rodgers, David Moyes, or... <laughs> Sorry, I can't, I can't. Hard to get this out without laughing. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> uh, and I am adding Thomas Tuchel to that list because fucking obviously, like I know he was only nah, here for he half a enough. season, but like, nah, nah, didn't do enough, mate. Didn't do enough. <laughs> didn't win the league. Just got top four. Uh, he got he got done by Luke Shaw and vibes. I will say to their credit, this is one where I think this is harder to call versus the player one. Really. Because yeah, I think so. Because I just think it's it's when you have manager of the season, it's relative to expectation and achievement. Like, okay. David Moyes came in at West Ham and we all fucking laughed and said, this is a ridiculously bad idea. And they finished sixth. Brendan yeah. Rodgers has done phenomenal things with Leicester, even if they do drop out of the top four on the last day again. Like, there's still so much progress there and it's fantastic. Pep won the league. Klopp managed to turn it around a bit. Um, you know, and still, uh, I think 
performed better than a lot of us thought, especially I think that's probably skewed by the tail end of the season when they went like 10 unbeaten. Klopp's not even nominated, so... I wasn't listening to what you said. <laughs> um, it's. It, I mean, can we just put Klopp in there instead of Solskjaer? Because no. Sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not OGS, yeah. but... He's still putting the cones out. And, you know, Bielsa <laughs> and Leeds coming up and doing that is is incredible. So as much as, you know, if, if Oscar's going to go with a U-turn and pinch of salt and all those kind of things and, and eat his humble pie words, then I will say Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> because right. I, I just think that team it was they're just and and I'm gonna be like this next year I'm just going to enjoy Leeds I'm gonna Patrick Bamford whatever great job incredible <laughs> he got he turned Patrick fucking Bamford into a Premier League striker <laughs> deserves it for that alone yeah like he he did that he did that and it's yeah that team is 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 a hundred percent greater than the sum of its parts. They play incredible, fun, attacking football. Their fitness is unbelievable. I imagine he's basically a Spanish coach carter at this point, that he just makes them run suicides. <laughs> <laughs> and the man can squat for like seventy five minutes straight. It's very impressive. Very impressive. I worry about his knees. Yeah, I, he must be, be in line for replacements or something. And, you know, <laughs> goals go in and everyone's going mental around him and he's just trying to make sure no one knocks over his coffee sometimes. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with I'm down with Bielsa. I'm, just I'm down to throw with, some I would... stats in support of you, Chuck, there. Leeds coming in 10th as a promoted team uh, unexpected and 9th overall and unexpected just barely below Tottenham and above Everton who had Carlo Ancelotti and James Rodriguez this year. So had right. operative word yes. there had because he went today. <laughs> he, yes, he signed for Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, Ian, who do you have for manager of the season? Yeah, I have Bielsa as well. Oh, uh, no. At some point during the season, I I wasn't sure whether when we were taking the piss out of Leeds, we were actually taking the piss out of us for taking the piss out of Leeds. Uh, it all got a bit. It I all think got a bit I think we were. I think head. we were we were lampooning <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, I, th- I think it had to get like that because um, the. The physical intensity that they brought every game until the very last game when things didn't even matter for them beyond getting higher up in the table, you know, and it, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, the, the, to be fair, I'd like to defend those who were saying they sh- they won't be able to keep this up because they shouldn't have been able to keep this up. And it had happened before with Bielsa teams that, you know, Bielsa burnout was a thing. It did happen at previous teams. But something clicked this year with this team and they just they they just did not stop running and they, they're they the were Forest Gumper football. They're the Forest yeah, Gumper football. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Written off, no one believes it, and they just they just kept running. Alright, well clearly uh since you two both voted the same way, Bielsa's getting our manager of the season award. I will, however, step in but. and make the case for Pep, because that's who I would have voted for. I think sh- the way he changed his system on the fly at the beginning of the season in response to COVID, seeing how the rest of the season was going to play out and adjusting way before anybody else got there and then rattling off 22 wins in a row to just fucking smash the old record. I, I, I gotta give it to Pep for manager season that, that the way he changed that tactical system and like figured out COVID like Tuchel came in and also figured out COVID, but Pep did it first. And Tuchel just was like, oh, okay, we're doing like Barcelona style, Spain style, slow possession 2008. All right, we got this. Let's go. That's one of yeah. the most impressive things I have seen Pep mm. do in his 
unbelievably impressive managerial career. So for me, this is one of Pep's best seasons, not because of how much they achieved, but because of the situation and the way that they went about it. So uh, next up, we have Mr. Simpson. Go ahead and cue the jingle one last time. Better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. Season. That's right. Burnley of the season. There are three <laughs> nominees here that stand out to me. Uh, that is Manchester City 1, Leeds 2, Manchester City 2.4 to Leeds is 0.3. So scoring 2 on 0.3, getting some points off City in a season where it was very difficult to do that. Uh, next up, we had Brighton 1, Crystal Palace 2. That's right, Chuck, you're getting a nominee here. Brighton, Brighton 2.6 to Palace's 0.8. So another 2-1 going well against the XG. And then the third one, much to my chagrin, was Chelsea 2, West Brom 5. By the way, I think West Brom are officially the best team in the world now, right? For scoring five on us. Um, yep. Chelsea 2.4 to West Brom's Chelsea 1. were relegated because of that nine. game. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> true. That was. We'll see you next season, Ian. Uh, Chelsea 2, West Brom 5. Chelsea 2.4 to West Brom's 1.9. That is actually the match furthest away from the combined XG, like the biggest difference. But obviously, I think the other two sort of stand out for me, maybe. I don't know. Where are you guys at between these three matches? I don't remember specific matches, so I will say the West Brom one against Chelsea. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> We conceded five to West Brom. We conceded four in our entire Champions League run. Yep. And we conceded five to fucking West Brom. Give Allardyce a chance, guys. Give Allardyce a chance. And Allardyce is for life, not just for Christmas. Um, (laughs) To be honest, I stopped listening after you said Brighton Palace. (laughs) I didn't even listen to what the other game was and the score or anything. Uh, It was like the most hilarious fucking absolute piss take of a game where they had 25 shots were all <laughs> over us completely and we full on shit housed two goals with two shots on target and one was Benteke in like what was it the 94th minute I think it was late it was really it was late. just oh mm, num 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 like fuck you guys <laughs> I don't even I can't even bother to put up more stats that was just my favourite Mateta scored with a fucking pirouette back heel like that was so fucking good yeah care. oh yeah I forgot about that yeah yeah beautiful. and then never played again um, oh, but yeah. Hodgson's gone now so that's fine so yeah I'm going I'm yeah. going Brighton Palace but he'll probably be Chelsea no, as the tiebreaker here, and not just because I can avoid giving it against the team that beat Chelsea here. To me, Crystal Palace, like, that's fucking hilarious. That's that line you just read off, 25 shots to two. Like, just... Yeah, I forgot about that. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, I said it, I said that week, I doubt we'll get a better Burnleying this year, and that is my vote for Burnley of the season. So, shout out Brighton, Crystal Palace, just the context, the teams, everything, right? something. <sighs> that is an, yeah, that is an award for Palace. There you go. Um, Tick. Two awards to finish up. The first is the Watford Memorial Award for Excellence in Underperformance. I will give you some names here. Uh, the first is going to be, and probably run runaway champion here, Brighton, finishing 16th <laughs> despite being 5th 
unexpected points. Good lord. I don't even bother reading the rest. Okay, it's yeah, it's, it's 20 Brian. points. Brian. 20 points short of their expected. 20, as many yeah. as 20. <laughs> yeah. And they lost, I think it was something like 23 points from winning positions this year oh. or something like that. Oh my like, goodness. Uh, we might have to change the name to the Brighton Memorial Award next season. Well, I was yeah, thinking, yeah, what I do we, we do? Should, yeah. But Watford are back now, so we need to see what Watford are like. But we could change it to the Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honorable mention to Fulham, who are getting relegated with having finished 14 and a half points below their expectation. So they were still not great. Like they were, what, not 2019, 18? They were 17th unexpected, 16th unexpected, but 14 points is fucking massive and it would have saved them. So honorable mention to Fulham there. Um, which means that we come to the and last. Chelsea. And Chelsea. Yeah, you didn't want well, to see yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, that's the right. bronze. Chelsea get the bronze there? <laughs> yeah, Chelsea would have been the third nominee there. Uh, 11 points under expected, 10.5 points under expected, second best team. Nine points, nine expected points clear of Liverpool, who would have been third. Chelsea finishing fourth, though, so not that far off their actual table position, mm-hmm. which is, I think, what kind of gives it to Brighton there more than anything. Um, which brings us to our last and most important award, and that is. The Burnley Memorial Award for Burnliest Burnley of the Season. And that is not <laughs> the same as the Burnley of the Season. This is the team that has most overperformed and shit-housed themselves to an undeserved table position. There are a few nominees here. The first is Tottenham coming in 7th despite coming oh in God. 11th unexpected. Overperformed to 7th. Underperformed to 7th. <laughs> 8 points above their um, expected points and 11 goals above their expected goals and 8 goals below their expected goals allowed. So just an overperformance in every level for Tottenham there. Um, next up, Chuck, I'm sorry to do this to you, but Crystal Palace are also in the running for the Burnley Award of the season uh, because Crystal Palace coming in six points above their expected, but their expected would have had them relegated when they indeed came in 14th in reality. So anytime you overperform that much, you're going to get a a shout out, um, especially when you were in relegation and then escaped. And then the last one is Manchester United coming in second place. They were fourth unexpected, so not super far off, but eight table points basically exactly switching places with chelsea on the expected versus real table so we have liver we have united tottenham and palace here uh mr stimson i'll let you vote first here who do you want to give the burnley award for excellence in overperforming shithousery i I can't i can't give it to palace i can't I can't see Chuck's little face. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be us. We weren't like no. that big. It's just because of the stakes of relegation. It's all got to be relative. It's all got to be relative. And plus, we've been there before. You know what we're about. We do it every year. <laughs> and I'd love to give it to Tottenham over performing to seven, but I think I think I want to give it to United. I, I think I just the the mediocrity of the manager just makes me. Makes me want to make them realise they could do better. So they get it for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Chuck, you do you want uh, it more, guys? Do you want to yeah. vote for Palace here, Chuck? Or, um... No, I fucking don't. Fuck them. Um, you know what we're about. We know how to perform above our numbers. What? That's how. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, <laughs> that's what we that's do. That's what we do. Um, I, again, I would love to give it to Tottenham just for it being a clean sweep across the categories. 
um, like the team that overperformed their goals by the most, uh, nearly overperformed defensively the most. They were second there and were second for points. Um, but yeah, I think it's got to be United in it. No one wanted them to be second. No one thinks they deserve to be second. Like that's that's an absolute <laughs> madness. I mean, you know, they got to the Europa League final and fuck that. That was good. Um, oh my god we didn't talk about that 21 penalties in a row <laughs> 21 penalties like statistically there should, like, you should save a lot more <laughs> wait was that 0.04% the likelihood of that happening 21 penalties scored in a row all else equal obviously like situational context pressure etc cetera, etc cetera, but like independent events 21 penalties in a row is 0.04% likelihood so long, David De Gea. We hardly knew you. Um, yeah. Well, I've known you quite a long time. You've had a good innings. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm giving it to United. I will also give it to United. And that is because they're fin- the fact that they finished in second is making a lot of people, when I'm already hearing podcasts and seeing stuff on Twitter about where a team's going to go next season, who's going to challenge for the title. Fucking everybody has United challenging for the title because they came oh, in second. Ridiculous. And y'all are yeah. out of your fucking minds. Unless United go out and do something massive in the market or bring in one of the really good managers that are moving around right now, Antonio Conte and or Pochettino, potentially, um, there's no fucking way. They'll be lucky to finish fourth next year, and I will stand by that take. Like, they are not going to be challenging for the title. They're going to be... I'm, f- I'm fine with that. Yeah, in a real scrap with Leicester and probably Tottenham um, to finish fourth. Like... Yeah, so I think that's a clean sweep for United there. They would have had my vote as, vote as well, which I guess means we're done, boys. That's it. Season over. It's over. Summer break coming up. The Euros. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been weird, like, having this break from football and, you know, the weather's coming out, but it's strange. I still feel, you know, like a little bit congested. Like, I, you know, sometimes I wake up at oh, night in the shiver, like a little tickle in the throat the as weather. well. And yeah. I'm starting oh. to worry that I think, guys, I think I might have caught Euro fever. Yes. Oh, yes, he has. I think, I think I've got it. I think I've got a case. Uh. Like, I, I was doing, <laughs> Jeff Pedder's running like a prediction game. I was looking at it. The England squad's come out and I'm like, oh, and, but not even uh. like a, not even necessarily from a, I think England could win perspective. Like, I'm just quite excited to, yeah. to see oh. the absolute COVID of this. <laughs> just all these players that are just burnt fucking out completely. But, like, yeah. so many good players as well. So, um, you know, we are taking a break um, over the summer. I don't know if that's better for, for us or you, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and we may, we may record a few bits and pieces here or there, maybe do something during the Euro groups, but we don't want to commit to anything really. And, and you know, we'll uh, be in touch with our Patreons. You can join us, um, patreon.com forward slash miles offside pod. There will be no payments made until August. So you've got two months, you've got the full Euros. We might have some season podcasts, uh, pre-season podcasts in there where we talk about a couple of bits and pieces coming up. You know, obviously we haven't mentioned congratulations to Brentford. Um, tenth attempt yeah. in the playoffs. They finally make it into the Premier League for the first time. I'm very excited to see how um, it goes for them. And I'm sure Oscar is as well, being that they're such a moneyball analytics team coming up there and we got Watford and Norwich as well um, so you know I'm more, I'm more happy for Norwich than Watford let's just say um, commiserations um, <laughs> Safiro I hope you still still listen uh, even though Fulham are gone I think yeah. Fulham bounce back that'll be good 
and um, thanks to everyone listening and, and thanks to you guys. It's been fucking hell. It's been a slog. Isn't it? It's been a weird it's, one. It's isn't been it? a yeah. weird one, but it ended nicely. I gotta say, um, doesn't yeah. get much better than May 29, 2021. Oh, thank God we don't have to hear about May 15, 2012 anymore. May 19, <laughs> thank you very much. May 19, oh, now you will just have to hear about twice as many dates now. Not. <laughs> Goodness gracious me. Well, like we said, join us on the Patreon. Jeff Pedder is running a couple of prediction games. We'll do a bit of Euro fantasy as well. I've already got my team. Euro, I hardly knew her. Um, thank you very, very much for everything this season. We love you all. Say goodbye. Champion of Europe. Oscar Puente. Chelsea! Come on, boys. We fucking did it. Champion of Midlands Brackets teams going into the championship, Ian Stimson. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you all very much. Bye, Roy Hudson. See you later. (laughs) 